The vision of Fellowship Bible Church is this. We see transformed lives living a godly legacy. As we conclude our series called Can You Relate? We're going to be talking about a godly legacy. And uh, we really want you to think about what it could look like for you. And what kind of legacy are you leaving in the lives of others? What exactly is a legacy? It's easy if we're disconnected from the scriptures to just think about legacy to be ter- you know, determined in the physical. What kind of inheritance am I leaving for my children? And you know, the Bible talks about that. It says in Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. You know, although the Bible talks about that, it's not the primary, it's not the primary exclamation point that it talks about when it comes to legacy. It talks about first and foremost being a spiritual legacy in the lives of the people around us. Look at Proverbs 14, 26. It says this, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. So your relationship with God, that single most important relationship in your life, actually, as you live a life after God, that seeks hearts after God, your children actually come in and find a refuge in that. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, it says this, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. So being someone who doesn't just trust in Christ, but has traits about Christ in their lives, is a, transfers that blessing onto the people around them. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the Apostle Paul recognized this legacy in the life of Timothy when he said this. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and now in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure dwells in you as well. He saw what, what a people who looked after and sought after God, what their role was in a legacy is that they took the blessings of God and they transferred it to the next generation. A legacy isn't just mentioned in the New Testament. It's mentioned in the Old Testament in when, when uh, God appeared to Abraham and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees to go into the promised land that he would show him. And he said this, look at this legacy. He says, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So when we talk about blessing, we're talking about transferring, I mean, a legacy. We're talking about transferring spiritual, relational, practical and physical blessings from your life to others. And I just want to say this. You're already transferring something to the people around you. What do you want that to be? What do you want that to be? So we're going to spend our time this morning talking about what you could leave in the lives of the people around you. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about passing a baton. You're in a relay. You've been handed from one generation the faith. You now hold it. And you're running, looking to the next generation, and you're passing it. Those of you who are involved in track, I think about the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, China, when the uh, men's team in the uh, 400-meter relay semifinals, when uh, Darvis Patton was passing it to the anchorman, Tyson Gay, and look what happened. Look at that. Where's the baton? You see it? He dropped the baton. 
They'd never done this. But in the semifinals, they were disqualified because they, they dropped the baton. Here's another picture of that. Okay. See, this is not good form for a track athlete. It's not. And yet, that's what happened when the baton was not passed. Now, we have a lot of things in the back of our mind when we think about legacy. And you have a lot of desires, perhaps, on this is what I'd like to pass on to the next generation. I want to talk to you about making that transfer. Because all the amount of time that those men practiced, and sadly, in 2008, if you were following that, it happened to the women's team also in the semifinals. Both the U.S. teams dropped the baton. Folks, we want good handoffs. And it doesn't matter at that point how much time you've practiced. If it's not transferred, it, you can't finish the line. God has always worked with passing a legacy from one generation to the next in transferring the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something that our church is charged with, transferring that godly legacy in the lives of people around us. And until Christ returns, we're to pass the baton to people around us. You know, in Psalm 78, I'd like you to open up your Bibles and turn there with me, because that's what I want to look at is, what is this legacy? What do we pass on? And then we're going to look at how to pass this on. Psalm 78 is kind of a history lesson in the history of Israel, how time after time, one generation after the next dropped the baton, but God, through his faithfulness, picked up the baton and handed it to the next generation, and they dropped it. But God is faithful. So this was kind of an exhortation to all of Israel. And it's a fairly long psalm. We're not going to read all 72 verses. We'll just read eight. But it gives us in those eight an encapsulation of how and what a legacy is passed on. In Psalm 78, verse 1, it says this. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. The things which we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not, look at that. We will not hide them from our children, but will tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. And the wonders that he has done. Well, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children, look at that, the children yet unborn. And arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. I know those verses end in the negative, but look at what they're calling him to. He said, we will not. We will not keep silent. We will share who God is with the next generation. We will share the wondrous deeds of this glorious God we serve so that you might know them and put your hope in him and follow him in your lives. Do you see that? It went from third person, lecture, lecture in theology, and into the first person. We will live this, that which we believe. We will share this with the next generation. You see, what, 
What is transferred from one generation to the next is shown here as first importance. What is transferred are three things from importance. Number one, you transfer the gospel of God. You transfer the goodness of God and you transfer the gifts of God. These are all things that God has called you to steward in life. You first of all been given the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ that you don't have to try anymore. It's not in you doing. It's in what's been done for you. It's about that relationship, that most single important relationship in your life, that relationship that you have with Jesus. That's the first thing you passed on. That if you don't pass on anything, passing on the gospel is enough. Moving from one generation to the next. Second of all, you transfer the goodness of God. This is the character of God in your life. It talks about the works of God. It talks about his holiness and his righteousness. It talks about obeying his commandments. This means that we not only need to believe in God, we need to follow God. We need to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. People who don't just bring our kids and show up at church, but people who live Christ out in the in their daily lives, in our daily lives at home and around us. This means that we live Christ to the people we work with, the people we live around. We live Christ with our friends so that they see the goodness of God. These are the, the areas of the fruit of the Spirit that's in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and the like. Those are the things that we get as we love God and we love others. The goodness of God moves into our lives, but it never dead ends. It grows through our lives into the lives of others. That's legacy. And then the gifts of God. These are practical things that, as you see in the history of Israel, they passed on to their children. They passed on gifts that God had given them, abilities that God had, insight, wisdom. Over and over, we see wisdom being parted. The whole book of Proverbs is wisdom imparting from one generation to the next. And it has practical advice on how or what to do and what not to do, what to run to, what to run away from. And we, we transfer that. It's also financial in the giving. It, it also includes inheritance. And, and what can I transfer on that will be a blessing from my life to yours? It's kind of like as we concluded our worship time with take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. A legacy is really saying, God, take me, all that I am, all that I have, and invest me into other people's lives. And my life is not going to be about me. It's going to be about others. And legacy is that where you're looking around and thinking, who can I bless with the gospel, with the goodness of God and with the gifts of God? You see, that's how the kingdom of God advances. It's when people advance it through their lives being transformed, leaving a godly legacy. So now that we know that what we transform, that what, what we transfer, the, the gospel, the goodness, and the gifts of God, let's look at how is it transferred. How is it transferred? Well, it's transferred in, the, in three ways. The time we spend, the words we say, and the experiences we share. Let's talk about each one of those. A legacy takes time. It takes intentional time. And if you don't take time to plan for it, 
to uh, dedicate, to passing on a blessing to someone else, it won't happen. We live in a hurried world. And hurry is the enemy to all of our relationships. Hurry is an enemy to your relationship with God. How many times have you run out of the house without praying to God or, or thinking to pray? You go, oh, I'm too busy to pray. Or you, you end your day and you're too tired. You're too tired because you were so busy throughout the day to open up the word and get into listening to God. How many times do you see your life doing that? Well, the same thing happens in all of our relationships. Hurry ruins re- marriages. Hurry ruins transferring that legacy into our children's lives. If we're just, we're, you know, we are a very present, uh, um, a parents right now. I mean, we, we go with our kids to a lot of areas and we take them to, but we aren't being intentional with that time. You need time with the purpose of transferring that legacy. And so at the Hishma home, we have, uh, we have about to be an 18 year old tomorrow. We have a 16 year old and a 12 year old. We are in the throes of adolescent life right now and we're chasing kids. This is, this is crazy. And I remember I had some friends several years ago and I said, man, I'm busy now. He says, wait till they're in high school. Just wait. And sure enough. So in order for legacy to be passed on in my family, I have to take time. I don't just expect my kids to come here and listen to me speak. I, I want to be a dad who lives this in my home. So amidst a very busy schedule with a lot of soccer and cross country and band and drumline practices and gigs, all those kinds of things, the Hishma household says three nights a week, we will sit at the same table. We will look into each other's eyes and we will put away all the screens and we'll talk and we'll have conversations that are meaningful And they'll be in the first person. This is what's happening in my life. This is what God is showing me. This is what mom and I have been praying through. It's just been times and and it's just taken a little bit of time. What do I want to lead the conversation in tonight? What do we want to talk about? And it's much more. It's much more. How was your day? Fine. That, you know, that really doesn't go deep into legacy talk. And just questions that draw out draw out what's happening in our kids life you have to take intentional time to do it or it won't happen and as you take that time you think about the words you say the words you say affirming words transfer a legacy when you have a um you know when when that baton goes from your hand you want you want that next generation or the people around you to be looking, looking and waiting for it and, and just, I can't wait to get. You want them to be reaching back for the baton. And the words you say are, are a great way to transfer that. In, in Psalm 78, we'll not keep silent. We'll tell them the stories. We'll affirm the truth in their lives so that they'll hope in this God and that they'll follow his commandments. Think about the words you said this past week. We can't go back and change those words. But what if I were to have recorded them? What if I were to record all the words you said to your children? All the words you said to the people around you? All the words you said in your drive time? All the words you said to your spouse? Okay, I'm seeing you already. You're kind of squirming, right? Yeah, I don't want those repeated in the next generation. I don't want those words repeated. And that many times, if we're unintentional about legacy, see, words are extremely powerful. 
extremely powerful. With words, we come in and we, we affirm someone. So as a dad, I'm always going to be telling my sons not only that I love them on a daily basis, but I'm for them. I'm proud of them. They're good at different things. I'm affirming things in their lives so that they can go, yes, every young man needs to know that, that they have with God what's needed to face the demands of reality in their lives. It's not just pumping my kids up with just good words. It's, it's sharing a confidence in God that God will work and move through their lives. And God is using them and will continue to use them as they're open and available to him. See, those affirming words are what, are what help transfer that legacy. Those things go deeper. They don't just stay on the surface. So instead of just correction and frustration or being annoyed or being angry with your kids, how are you, how are you transferring a legacy of words onto your children? I'm not going to be perfect in this, and you certainly aren't going to be perfect in this. What do you do when you mess up? When you transfer words that you wish you would have never said to your kids. Well, you do what every humble parent needs to do. You go back and you ask for forgiveness. Yeah, you do that. I found that when I go back, when I've messed up, when I've corrected out of anger or I've said something, I go, wow, where did that come from, you know? I go back and I go, hey, James or Jack or Nathan um, or Cheryl, I am sorry. I spoke out of anger and that's not who I want to be. And those are certainly words that I don't want you to remember. So from my heart, um, I know you pushed the buttons. There's no doubt about that. But I went overboard and I'm sorry about that. You know what I found? I found that my kids and my wife will forgive me when I call it. And you know what? Forgiveness has a great benefit of erasing that memory when they know that someone who's giving them a legacy says, I'm sorry, that was wrong. See, we are imperfect. We're sinners. And we got to call it when that is. That's just one of those uh, healthy attributes. I can't tell you how many people I know who mom or dad has said something when they were growing up, they never forgot and they they never dealt with it. And they believed what they were told in a young age. And so words are so important in transferring that legacy. Make sure your words are affirming to the next generation, the people around you. Thirdly, the gifts. I mean, the experiences you share. Experiences are opportunities to process life with each other. There's something about legacy that when a family or when people are having fun, okay, that everyone's open, everyone's relaxed, no one's worried about performance. Relationships happen. So I'm encouraging you to plan experiences where you can have fun with the people in your life so that that legacy can be transferred. When's the last time you've had fun with your family? When's the last time you've taken some time and intentionally shared some stories about your background? It's very, been very important to Cheryl and me to get our family together. And we've never lived close to our parents and so, um, I mean, after we got out of the house, we, we've not lived close to them. So now that we have children, when our children were younger, we sat my parents and Cheryl's parents down. We said, hey, we want our kids to know you. We want our kids to have time with you. We want shared experiences with you. 
So we want to do vacations together. We want to do different things. And our parents went, you want to do vacations with us? Of course. Of course. And, and we even said, we don't care about inheritance. We want our kids to know about you. So spend some money. Let's do this together. And they did. And it's been so awesome at different times with my parents of listening to, you know, what it was like for my dad to start his company in the 1950s as a 21-year-old man who delivered used carpeting in a convertible because he couldn't afford anything else. And how he and my mom started out, and they were so poor that they lived in this apartment flat and they ate Rice Krispies for dinner. And for my kids over a steak dinner to be talking about, yeah, times weren't always like this. Or Cheryl's dad, to hear what it was like on a Nebraska farm during the Depression and and how that was done. And to be an eyewitness to uh, the hydrogen bomb being tested in the Pacific. And, and then to hear my dad talk about an old lady who knocked on the door of his house when he was 10 years old and invited him to come to church, the same church he met, Jesus Christ. And that relationship began in him. See, my kids shared that experience with my dad. And you know, a year and a half ago, when Cheryl's dad passed and went to be with the Lord, my kids knew him. And they knew his faith. And they knew what was important to him. He transferred that legacy. They became part of a larger story than just them. They became a part of the story of God that was being transferred in their lives. And a greater person than just J.R. Smith. They saw what God, how God used J.R. Smith and how God could use them. See, that's how a legacy is passed on. It's passed on from the first person to us. Not just a storybook, but but a reality in our lives. So some choices to make as you pass on God's legacy, as you pass on that baton, you're going to make a choice of will it either be about me or, or God or will it be about me? In your legacy, it, will it be about God or you? I think about this in... As, as I do a lot of counseling with people, and if it's just going to be about a financial inheritance, I'd really ask you to think twice on this, because here's a rule that has basically happened. One generation makes it, the other generation spends it. And I see that. And if it's all going to be about money, and that's all you pass on, you've missed the boat. That money will be spent, and you will be forgotten. If you want it to be about God, then the money can actually advance the kingdom of God in the future through your family's lives. If Jesus is the most important relationship in your life, that's the greatest thing you can give. And when you do that, you connect your family to a much greater story. Just like in Psalm 78, they connected their story. Every family was connected to the story of the people of God. A grander story with a greater person at the center. God and obeying and following his commandments. A legacy will either be intentional or it will be accidental. You want an intentional legacy. That's why I always encourage everyone. I get so excited Get so excited about sitting down with different men and saying, what do you want your legacy to be? 
I mean, that just wells me up. Because then when they kind of, we kind of spell it out and we work through it. And I said, now, what are you doing today that's, that leads, it's going to make it most likely for you to pass that baton on to the people around you? What are practices today? How can you live right now? That's intentional living. And, and therefore, you show the, the story of God from beginning to end, and you put people right into the perspective of where you're at right now when you do that. Otherwise, you're just kind of throwing up some pictures of a collage and saying, here, hope you do well. And, and that's kind of the accidental legacy. Most negative legacies happen when they're accidents, when they haven't been planned. You're much more consider you're much more aware when you're intentional about what God is going and is using you already in transferring that legacy. And then a legacy will either help or it will hurt others. We all want our legacy to help the next generation. Sadly, many of us come from legacies that have hurt us. We've had abuse in our backgrounds. That's been a legacy that's passed on, whether it's sexual, verbal, or physical. We've had anger. We've had dysfunction. We've had um, chemical abuse and alcoholism in, in our backgrounds. And those legacies are killing us. Because those legacies are generational sins that tend to repeat themselves in the next generation, in your generation. And that's all you've known is to look back from one generation and found what was normal to them, even if it was destructive, and you grabbed what was normal and you're running with what's normal, but is terribly disruptive and destructive in your life. And that's where we've got to stop and we've got to say, no, with God and only with God through the gospel, these generations, generational sins will end with me. Have you ever thought about what's been passed on to you that's hurt you? That you will say, no, it's not going to go through me. Because if we're not aware, that will just flow right from our lives. We don't even know where we got it or what it's, we don't, we're, we're blind to it. But everyone around us is having to deal with it. We want to be a blessing. So we want, to, we want to be people who do whatever it takes. And if you're here and you struggle with anger, you struggle with something your parents gave to you from a generational legacy that's been hurtful, I would take whatever is needed, including counseling, whatever you need to do to humble yourself so that that is not repeated. Because God has so much to pour his blessings through you and through your life into the lives of people around you. He has such a plan, such a purpose for you to start rewriting history in your life so that future generations will be blessed and not burdened with it. So let's go back to this picture. How are we doing with the baton? How are we doing in passing the baton? If you're someone who's who's coming up and passing that to the people around you. Are you living it? You can't give it if you don't have it. So if you don't have the gospel, you can't give the gospel. If you aren't living the goodness of God, you can't give the goodness of God. And certainly if you aren't exercising the gifts God has given to you, you aren't going to be giving that to anyone around you. So how are you doing? If you're receiving that, 
Are you looking for it? That's one thing I always try to do in my life. I'm always trying to listen to the next generation. What do you say to me? I try to surround myself with people wiser and older than me who can speak truth into my life. I try to continue, even as a 47-year-old, to listen to my father, not under the same authority matrix that we used to have, but he's a man of wisdom. And we can be sharpened. We can grow. And even if I don't follow everything, it's good to listen and have it because he has something to give. It takes two. One giving, one receiving. One beginning, one ending. And so therefore, I want to focus and close our time out with three commitments. Three commitments that I'm really excited about. And I, as I look at a room this size, filled with this many people, I always get excited. I mean, this is where I really, this is my sweet spot. Because I think about what could happen if we could get our minds around this and actually lived what is being talked about in Psalm 78. What if this happened in each of us? Where the greatest things we could give to the next generation, the people around us, would be the gospel of God, the goodness of God, and the gifts of God through our lives. I mean, I look at all of you and go, endless possibilities. I think about the future generations, as Psalm 78 says, children yet unborn who will be affected by choices you make right now to follow and and love and serve Jesus Christ in your life. And I think about that. And that, you know, my, my son, my 12-year-old son was just, um, you know, had his birthday and I bought him a telescope. He wanted to look up in space. And I love telescopes because you can look at the moon and hasn't it been awesome this past week? I mean, it's the once in a blue moon environment out there and we've seen it and it's awesome to look at it. But with the telescope, if we just make a little nudge with it out in space, out in, you know, distance is far beyond us millions of miles it's millions of miles worth of difference with a little nudge here on earth what could some little movement in you loving and serving jesus christ with your life and transferring the gospel the goodness of god and the gifts that god has given you to that next generation what could that do how many people how many millions of people can be affected by your life right now and i would say Endless, endless. How many people would be blessed by you transferring a godly legacy in the lives of others? But it will take three commitments. Number one, it will take you to trust and take the gospel in your generation right now. You're not responsible for what God will do in the future. You're just responsible for what God can do in the present. So right now, believe the gospel, receive it, live it and give it in the lives around you. That is so key. In my generation, I will be a man who shares the gospel. If you spend time with Joe Hishma, you're going to get the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's not what I've done. It's not being good that gets me in. It's simply the work of Christ on the cross who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not in and I don't stay in because I am an exceptionally smart man or a good man, but only because of the goodness of Jesus Christ, his perfect work on the cross for me. And if I care about you, 
you better believe I'm going to share that with you. And if you love Jesus and you trust Jesus, I'm going to celebrate with you. If you reject Jesus, I'm still going to love you. Because God's story is not done with you. And there'll be maybe others in the future that God uses to bring you to the truth and the grace of the gospel. I will live it in my generation. Will you? Will you? Secondly, I will share the goodness of God to the next generation. Folks, um, after this message in the first service yesterday at 5 p.m. on Saturday evening, we talked, and I just talked with a few people who, who uh, were encouraging me about this message of legacy. And they looked back in their family history. And there were, just picture this, there's three couples, three couples, husbands and wives, who had between them 25 children that they all took to church with them. And today, out of those 25 children, only four are following Jesus. Those aren't good statistics. Those are a lot of dropped batons. But it's reality. Something happens that, folks, it's a whole lot more than just showing up at church. Transformation doesn't happen in an hour and 15 minutes a week. Transformation happens when we believe this to be true and we live the goodness of God in our marriages, in our families, with the people we work with, with the people we live around. We we have far too many people who are ideological people but are not practical people. We need to be practical followers of Jesus Christ. People who live it and give it. And know the stories, even when it's bad. Know the stories of how difficult it is to trust when you don't know. People who who run to forgiveness when we mess up. People who are humble. People who turn away and prevent words that could hurt and increase words that can help in our families. I will share the goodness of God with the next generation. Thirdly. I will transfer the gifts of God to advance the kingdom of God in future generations. This means everything I have is God's. Everything is for his purpose. All for him and for his glory. What I know, I want to transfer on. What I have, I want to transfer. Why? Because the story is not over with my life. Unless unless God returns and starts a new story for all of us. The story's going to continue. That's going to need financial blessings, even in the future. How are we thinking through that? It's hard when we're in crisis mode in the area of finances. I don't need to beleaguer this, but I do want to put a a plug in for a, a study, especially if you're in crisis mode in finances. We have Financial Peace University that's starting up on sun- Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings aligned with the services. That has been a unique blessing for people who are either wondering, I need help or I can't get a handle. And you want to be a blessing to people around you, but you can't because you're just struggling through it. This has helped over 400 families in our church. And you can to sign up for this if you need encouragement in that. Here it is. I want you to have a legacy. And beyond Financial Peace University, I'd like you also to seek wisdom in in helping. Financial planners are all around, and there are godly men in this who can come alongside and women who can come alongside 
and give you advice on how to transfer that legacy. Because that's the legacy. It's shown from the gospel to the goodness to the gifts of God. The most and the single most important relationship in all of our lives is the relationship we have with Jesus. And that's what I want to close with. The legacy Jesus has given to us. The legacy of the gospel. Each month we gather together and we, um, we celebrate communion. This is the legacy. The legacy of Jesus was his body and his blood that was given for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And this is something, a legacy that the church is called into to remember, to remember regularly until Christ returns of his promise and the legacy that his body, his perfect life given for us on the cross and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We can't live good enough and we couldn't even die to pay the price of our sins. That's why Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, gave himself to us. This is his legacy to us. It's the single most important thing we could receive from God. So I want to encourage you, if this is something you believe in, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and that it's not in how good you are, it's in how great he is and what he's done in your life celebrate this with us. But if you're here and you're kind of looking and you haven't made up your mind to who Christ is and what he's doing in this world or even in your life, I'd just like to ask you, watch. Because we don't want this to be a meaningless ritual. I mean, churches have enough meaningless rituals. We want this to be something that you truly believe in. And no one's going to judge you. Everyone is glad you're here just to listen and to learn a little bit more. This is something, however, if this legacy is yours and you want to continue this, celebrate with us. If you believe this, hang on to these elements so that we can take them as a family together.